Folks, welcome to another episode of the Locked on Pit podcast. Pit, their national signing day. How to go down? Let's talk about some of the super ladders in this class, and let's talk about some of the late gets that Pitt got in this class. It's all coming up today on this episode of Locked on Pit. You are Locked on Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Nick Farabaugh here with the Locked On Pit Podcast. As always, we're talking about National Signing Day. This episode, however, of the Locked On Pit Podcast is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between any of the guys you want to watch on the bowl games. I know bowl game season is coming and pitting the Sumble in a week, so make sure not to miss that as well, folks. You got the TV you love for a price you'll love. You can try it today. You got ACC Network, ACC Network extra on there you got fox you got big 10 you got all of the big ones you may want but now i want to welcome in john garcia jr john welcome into the show good to be back on with you nick uh happy post signing day we can all kind of take that sigh of, of relief and start to look back a little bit so excited to do that for sure yeah this was a whirlwind of a last month for pit it started really with Kenny Minchie decommitting. And then from there, Pitt just lost a lot of their commits. Bryce Pollock, Zion Fowler, Dadrian Zipper. I mean, there were so many decommits. And it's not like Pitt was losing them to equal schools. I mean, we're talking about Notre Dame, Clemson, Mississippi State coming to poach these guys out um, from Pitt. And then Pitt kind of had to restock the shelves. And they did. They ended up with the 18-person class. Um, they were down to 12 as much as two weeks ago. Wow. Um, so, I mean, they have restocked this class in the late signing period. Um, but first of all, I just want to kind of get your overall thoughts of this class, the the movement Pitt had and the ability of the staff to kind of reconvene and get six commits in the last two weeks to build the numbers back up. Yeah, hard hard to deal with, right? There was a lot. It was like an emotional class, right? There was a lot of decommits. Uh, we Zion recommitted. You know, that's rare. That's hard to do. I think that's a good indicator of a stable coaching staff that has worked through, you know, an offensive transition like, like Pitt has. Uh, so you understand a lot of that to a degree. And then on the flip side, you've got this other group of player that has just kind of stuck it out, just kind of stuck with Pitt through the ups and downs. So I think it says a lot about those guys. And and while it was very much about responding to the losses, you will, you withheld, some some other teams charging for other recruits that signed with Pitt. I mean, Shadarian Harrison, I know, and down in my neck of the woods, Miami was very much uh, coming on strongly uh, for him. So when that signature came in early Wednesday, I was like, oh, that's a great get for Pitt because a lot of schools were starting to circle back on Harrison as kind of that it corner in the state of Florida, especially at six foot one. So. Yeah, this class had a little bit of everything. Um, the, the face of the class moved on as hard as that was for him and for Pitt to deal with. But everybody kind of recovered. You ended up grabbing another quarterback with a ton of upside, um, even though quarterback doesn't feel like as, as big a need anymore with what Pitt has done in the portal. Uh, so there's balance. Uh, there's a lot of skill position talent. Um, really like the wide receiver hall in particular. Uh, so there's there's a lot to like about this group and this class, even through all of the theoretical fire of of a crazy on and off the field uh, 2022. 
Yeah, it has been crazy. Let's start right there at the quarterback position. Pitt has rebuilt this quarterback room. Keaton Slovis leaves. Nick Patty's going to leave. They lose, of course, Kenny Minchie. He decommits, goes to Notre Dame. Well, Phil Djokovic is going to transfer in. They get Christian Veyu from from Penn State, a young transfer. And then they get Ty Diffenbach. Ty Diffenbach, a UNLV commit. They flip him. Uh, kind of a two-star, unheralded. You hadn't really heard about this kid. Then you watch the tape and... He's Traitsy. I mean, he's 6'6", has a big arm, can run. I mean, this is a guy that is very intriguing traits-wise to me, John. Exactly. You, you can take the time to take chances on players like that when you know the quarterback room is stable going forward. If you needed the guy to come in and play day one, you needed a Kenny Minchie type, right? You needed that guy who you felt really good about the floor. But here with Diffenbach, you take a chance on the ceiling. You mentioned the physical trait, 6'5", 6'6", big arm, good athlete, missed a bunch of time as a senior with with what we think is a knee injury. So, yeah, you could understand Pitt saying, let's take a long-term 18- to 24-month chance on a quarterback like this who, if he works out, we're all brilliant uh, and better for it. And if he doesn't, it's understandable um, because that's just the nature of college football and, and you go from there. So, yeah, I really like this get, especially in a very short window of time. There were a lot of teams that dealt with quarterback loss that didn't have time to rebound. Ole Miss got their quarterback flipped, didn't sign one on Wednesday. Um, Baylor got their quarterback flipped on signing day. Novosad to Oregon, they didn't sign one to reciprocate. Washington lost Lincoln Keenholz to Ohio State. They didn't sign one yesterday. So that that is not always a one-to-one deal. If we lose a kid, we go get another one. It's never that simple. And to do so across the country on top of it is really interesting, really interesting to me. Uh, and and this, is both, this is a sign of both parties taking a chance on one another. Ty taking a chance on Pitt and certainly Pitt taking a chance on Ty. So it, it could be a great story if it works out. And look, stranger things have happened in college football recruiting. Stranger things have happened. This was a quarterback year, particularly on the West Coast, that these kids were so identifiable so early. Your Malachi Nelsons, your Pierce Clarksons, your Jaden Rashadas of the world. So any emergers in California had to really kind of dig their heels in to grab some of that FBS attention. So in that regard, uh, taking a chance on, on Ty doesn't even seem as crazy as it would have been in any other cycle because he would have been a guy who's a little bit more elevated. That's not even getting into the injury, which always slows you down from an evaluation and recruiting standpoint. So I really like this for both sides. It's safe um, and it's got high upside, low risk, high upside. Who, who doesn't like that type of gamble or bet? For sure. And, and he put up really good numbers as a junior. Um, so there are the numbers there. And maybe if he had played the full year, this would have been a, a power five commit long before Pitt came in um, to to the to the picture. I mean, it could be one of those profiles, but Pitt also went out to California and kind of touched up their receiver class. Now, the Zion Fowler recommit wasn't necessarily thought to come. That was a surprise for Pitt. But before that, Israel Polk comes in. They go to the Bay Area and get a wide receiver, a guy from a, a really storied program, too, at that. Um, I mean, what do you think of Israel Polk as a receiver, kind of a late add for Pitt into this group? Yeah, 6'3", long, rangy player who he's got some nice finesse to his game. He kind of works like almost like a basketball player. Like you you ever watch an NBA game and then 
you look up and this guy who you haven't noticed has 18 points and you're like, dang, I didn't even realize he was cooking us this way. Israel's got some of that kind of sneaky slenderness to his game um, and he gets on you quickly. Uh, he can work down the field. He's very good after the catch relative to other guys that big with that long of a stride. Uh, so he's just kind of a big functional athlete that once he puts on the weight will profile as a true wide receiver one physically height, weight, speed standpoint. I like the ball skills, uh, as you mentioned, comes from an elite program. I mean, everybody's already crowned them the national high school recruiting champs or high school champs, not recruiting champs on the field, St. John Bosco. So yeah, the pedigree is there. He played elite competition. A lot of folks will tell you that Trinity league in California and Southern California is the best high school football in the country relative to the competition. So to have been productive and head turning at any position in that league says a lot uh, about the floor and, and ceiling simultaneously. Can he polish up? Can he add weight to the frame? Absolutely. Absolutely room for that improvement on top of that. So uh, I like this on, on both ends of the spectrum to where in a pinch, can you utilize him to a degree now? Yes. But will he have time to get better and develop and have an opportunity to be that classic boundary receiver? I think that answer is yes as well. And St. John Bosco, I mean, that is a group that has a few other receivers that are going to go to a really yep. good school. And Polk led this team in receiving, which is very interesting in that regard. Almost looked at his, at his profile and was kind of surprised he didn't get more attention from West Coast schools even. I mean, we're talk I'm not talking about maybe the USC's of the world, but the Wazoo's of the world, um, the Washington's even of the world. It looked like – Polk could potentially be a guy that could profile into those schemes, but Pitt comes in all the way from across the country mm-hmm. and, and gets him essentially. And, and I think what's, again, you talk about Ty being a high upside, lowers move kind of similar here. I agree. I agree. I think you, like I said, you can use him now if you need him to, but if he can develop, this could be a really nice ACC weapon, a guy who can win on third and six, throw the back shoulder ball, all that fun stuff. But if he really clicks, he could be a true downfield threat and an explosive talent that you build some of the game plan around. Um, I mean, is he dissimilar coming out of high school to Jared Wayne? You know, I think that's something that you could really dig into just from an athletic profile standpoint. And anything in that stratosphere would certainly check the box for Pitt. Yeah, Jared Wayne became one of the most explosive players in the ACC this year. And and Frank Stanisian really put it all together. So that ends up having Pitt would be very happy with obviously the signing. I want to talk about a few other commits here, but first folks going to let you know about bet online because folks bet online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends from every professional amateur league out there. That's from pro football to co- the college bowl season, basketball, and so much more. They've got it on betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find it there as well. Folks, they're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, John, I want to talk about another guy that is staying home for Pitt. Um, We talked about them maybe not having a single whip you'll commit. Well, Braylon Lovelace kind of broke that trend in the summer, but Pitt gets a second one now. And it's Cruz Brookins, kind of an interesting player that was committed to Kent State as much as two weeks ago, and then gets three suitors in Pitt, Syracuse, and Cincinnati all come in trying to get Cruz Brookins. 
who led Steel Valley, a local school, all the way to the state championship game, really carried that team. This is the same high school Paris Ford went to. Um, what do you think of Cruz? I mean, this is a, a whippy'll ad for Pitt late in the cycle. Yeah, you certainly like the ge- geographical situation here. And look, I think there's a lot to like from him athletically. This is a kid who, like you said, he had to kind of will the team there. Had to play quarterback, still played in the secondary, just a, a bit of a do-it-all player. And if you're going to project a do-it-all player with great functional athleticism at any position, you'd make him a safety, right? I mean, it's just the natural, hey, quarterback of the defense, get these guys lined up and, and get them ready to go. So when you're doing that at 6'1", 185, with success, there's a lot more to like. He is one that when you do take a closer look, you understand why he got that late rise, why he was a late power five player. So for Pitt to have that in their backyard, I thought was a little lucky, but hey, that's recruiting. You got to get a little lucky at times. Um, and and this was a really interesting uh, late grab, in my opinion. I, I think he's got some, some high floor athleticism. Um, you see him high pointing the football with relative ease. Uh, he's physical enough uh, w- with a great frame on top of it to where you feel like he could play balanced down the line. You know the quarterback experience rounds out the football IQ on top of it. The ball skills are comfortable, and he can really run. You know, I think that's – we see a little bit more on offense. It's a little bit more linear, but he can really run on top of it. So he's kind of this untapped, uh, un, unfinished product that if, if it works out at safety, it's going to make a whole lot of sense, even beyond the athleticism, just kind of being that that floor general out there in the secondary there's so much value in that specifically so to wrap that into a local package and a late rising good story uh, i'm all here for for those situations as well so cruz brookins could end up being in the top half maybe top third of this class when all is said and done from an impact standpoint down the line yeah and you know how important safety is in the narduzzi scheme and they have produced some really good players out of that group between damar hamlin oh yeah eric hallett Brandon Hill, um, Paris Ford, of course. The last four starting safeties, they're all going to be pretty good. So Cruz could join that group. But I want to go to your neck of the woods, too. Pitt did land another late guy from Florida, um, from Carl Newman, West Palm Beach. Maverick Garcia um, ends up coming to Pitt. Yeah. A very similar type of thing to Cruz Brookins, where Kent State commit, Pitt comes in late. Charlie Partridge personally apparently fought for this offer from Pitt. Um, what what do you know? This is down in your neck of the woods about Maverick Garcia and the type of player he is. Just productive, man. Cardinal Newman's one of those, kind of like Cardinal Gibbons, uh, where they've also got some traction. Private school, uh, gritty, well-coached, going to play uh, w- within his given role anytime uh, he's out there on the field. But the production is crazy. 30-plus sacks over the last couple years. Uh, he's worked with his hand in the dirt. He's stood up. Um, and, and he's been really a key player to some some deep playoff runs on top of it for, for Cardinal Newman. So he's one that just played his way into more opportunities. Um, you can't teach, what, 22 sacks as a senior? You can't teach that type of production. And he's not just outrunning smaller blockers, right? Because he's not the biggest guy in the world, 6'3", 225 or so. He's not just outrunning you. He's working inside a little bit more. He's playing within his frame, and I think his frame is going to have some opportunity to to put some bulk 
on there as well. So this is an intriguing late grab. If you're going to expand your board, go get productive players, right? You mentioned with Polk out at St. John Bosco, led them in receiving. Gracio, one of the best sackers in, in, in West Palm Beach, in, in Palm Beach County. Go get productive players who also have a lot of winning in their background. Help that uh, blur the margins between early identified superstar athlete and then the late riser that you go grab. Don't take a chance on the kid who isn't productive and can't really figure it out. Take a chance on a winner who's ultra, who's got ultra production to his name. Yeah. And that's just kind of their MO pits MO of course, um, when looking for a lot of these guys, but let's go back to the class at large. You look at some of the guys in this class. When you look at the best players in this class, who kind of sticks out to you as those crowning jewels that Pitt should be really proud of holding on and and should expect to be impact players during their tenure at Pitt? Oh, I love this question. You know, I, you know, I'm going to stay in the state of Florida. I love Lamar Seymour. I think his floor is so high. He's ready to go right now as your red zone guy, as your third and sixth guy, as your catch it over the middle absorb a safety or a linebacker that's that's coming downhill to hit him type of guy. Uh, I think he's ready to go right now from a polish and ball skills standpoint. Uh, he, he's, he's one that can absolutely go. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, um, the more I, I talk about Brookins, the more I like him. Uh, I love Shadarian Harrison as well from Lakeland. I think he's got he's got that length and and savvy and now the experience having been really the guy on the state championship Lakeland roster, speaking of taking chances on winners, you know, he played opposite Cormani McLean, who never got – the ball just never went his way. So in turn, Shadarian Harrison all of a sudden has every team's best receiver on his side and everybody's trying to make plays his way because he was kind of the new guy, even though he's long, lean, very fast, good track – speed on on his own um he's one that has developed technically into a a rangy cover corner uh and we know at Pitt if if that clicks you can do a whole lot defensively so I think he will free up uh some other players we've talked about really liking this receiver core beyond uh Seymour and 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 Polk uh I mean Zion Fowler getting a recommitment there says a, a whole heck of a lot on top of it, I uh, really like the offensive line hall as well. And you've also supplemented it with great front seven players, Neil and Bass. And, you know, I love Antonio Kamen more than most. Uh, so this is a balanced class. Uh, it, it's got a bit of everything. You even hit the quarterback mark late in the game. I think you could probably, if, if you wanted to nitpick, say, hey, maybe one more DB or, or one more trench prospect, maybe an interior defensive lineman players like that if you want to nitpick but um you know i don't worry about pit so much on that side of the ball from a developmental standpoint they're going to have bodies so this was a nice group that weathered the storm uh and found some some really nice players very late in the game and i think that's another mark of a a great and stable coaching staff who kind of knows knows what they are you know i know i know what i am this is what i'm going to go get even if it doesn't work out with with the first uh, plan of attack, because that's recruiting, it's it's as much about adjustments in the marathon as it is about 
these signature wins at any point in, in, in the timeline. So I really like this class. Uh, it's got a lot of gems, a lot of Narduzzi type guys, in my opinion, to where we'll look back and be like, man, uh, like you said about Polk, how how did these other schools not jump in here geographically? You know, I think they Pitt has made a reputation of of that, and I think this class can help them continue to push that further, even with some pretty big misses out there. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of their late ads in the past. Servasiate Dennis was a huge ad, obviously. Eric Hallett, they went into Texas, got him. Hababal Nato is a big one. Um, I mean, they have added these guys that aren't four stars. Kalijah Cansey obviously is a huge one. He had the good offer sheet, but he's been an All-American, I mean, for Pitt. That's yep. the type of guys that Pitt has really pulled out. Jared Wayne, um, I mean, we're talking about all of these guys that Pitt has been able to, to land. Israel Abani Kanda, right? I, mean, I was, I was just going to say, Israel, too, was pretty late, wasn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. pretty late. Um, so all of these guys, I mean, Henry Parrish decommitted and Pitt ended up going with Izzy. I mean, that is a that is a as much of a win as you can get yeah. out of there. Um, so, I mean, Pitt has consistently been able to do that. Um, but now you also look at this this class, and I think what was interesting was over the last two weeks, it looked like they were going to lose Shadarian Harrison and Jordan Bass, and that would have taken the, the, the real top off. Essentially, their top five prospects would be gone from the class from when they had committed in June. How big of the recruiting wins were, say, Harrison against – you know, Florida State and Miami and Oregon were sniffing around Shadarian Harrison. And then for Bass, you had Virginia Tech, North Carolina, South Carolina, and some other schools, SEC schools like Arkansas, sniffing around him. Pitt fended them all off. And they both signed on National Signing Day. How big of recruiting wins are those for Pitt, especially in this era, the NIL era, um, where, you know, maybe a school like Pitt that has been able to get some guys in the past, you mm -hmm. don't know what their power is, but it seems like they've been able to weather the storm against those programs. That's exactly where I was going with the Harrison deal. Uh, and yeah, with Bass. And, and these are out of region guys, right? It's not like it was a Whippio or in-state player that you're holding, you're fending off others for. Yeah, it was true with Cruz Brookins, but not with those other guys. So I think that that's really where you're flexing. And I think if there was a side of the ball where you're going to feel better about that, it's going to be on defense. Uh, so I think those evaluations are trusted more uh, by other programs uh, relative to Pitt. So it says a lot. You know, these guys, Bass and Harrison, could have easily waited uh, and waited till even just Friday to sign, and their options could have changed and maybe multiplied. And if they waited till February, e even more so. Uh, so that that really could have changed a whole lot in their own recruitments. But I, I think on the flip side, when you're comfortable and you kind of know what you're looking for, you're, you're good. You're done. It doesn't mean you're going to be disrespectful and say no to other coaching staffs when they want to come and, and say hello. Um, but if you feel comfortable with it, you stick with it. Um, so just as much as the decommitment and roster turnover on this commitment list became a story, like I said at the very top, retaining some of these players without the drama was just as big a deal because we know that the priority level of some of these names increased while Pitt was marked next to their name as a verbal commitment as opposed to earlier in their high school career. So that says just as much as going out and flipping a recruit late in the game to me. 
Yeah, it's a big win for Pitt. Uh, I don't think the class is completely ranked on the recruiting services as highly as Pitt fans expected it to be sure. after the ACC championship. But I see a lot of quality names in this list that are going to have impacts early. And I want to talk about that, the early impact of this group. And it matters more because Pitt is turning over their roster, the ACC championship roster, largely going to the league, going elsewhere. So there's going to be a lot of new faces here. It's going to be the youngest pit, pit team since probably 2019, 2020. Mm. The veteran group, it's gone. Who are some guys in this group that you think could get immediate playing time because there's going to be opportunities for that for the young guys? That's a great question. You know, I'm, I'm obviously not as familiar with the roster as, as you are, but just from a depth and rotation standpoint, you always need guys who can come in and, play productively so in the secondary I, I think Harrison's one who might have an opportunity I think intellectually Cruz Brookins will have a potential opportunity you always need pass rushers so so Cayman and certainly um, Gracio down in my neck of the woods situational pass rusher stuff that's something that I could absolutely see uh, uh, working out and then you think of uh, some of the bigger bodies uh, I'm not sure of the O-line turnover so I'll stick to defense Again, Cayman as a pass rusher, Isaiah Neal as an interior guy. Um, you're rotating D-line as much as any position out there uh, at, on any roster and on any scheme. Uh, so you think those guys have an opportunity, especially as early enrollees. And I think Neal is coming in in January. So as many of those guys as you could bring in in the spring, it really enhances uh, your ceiling to get those guys on the field early. But uh, this class has a nice balance of, of depth and some star power. Um, and, and, you know, I'm going to throw Seymour in there too. I think, I think he's going to see the field some, some way, somehow pretty darn early uh, when he gets to pit for good. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask the receiver. Pitt's got four new guys coming in, in this recruiting class and they are losing a lot of their receiving core. Now, Kanade Mumfield is going to be there. We're still waiting on Jared Wayne. We don't know if he'll be back, but Pitt's receiving core this year is was thin as it is. And there are going to be some transfers out there are going to be some transfers in, but there's going to be an opportunity for the young guys to play. You think Lamar Seymour could be that guy that steps up and becomes that, especially if maybe Wayne leaves. Do you see any of Polk, Johnson, or Fowler potentially getting on the field early? And if so, uh, who of those do you think would do it? Yeah, I think, you know, when we see receivers step in, it's usually one of two things. You've got this physicality that's just undeniable. You're you're this gadget player, speed guy that just, hey, the coaching staff just needs to get the ball in your hands. Or you're this physical presence that just commands attention with a catch radius and some some contested catching ability. That's where I see Seymour making an impact. But if you're, if you're going to take a chance on a guy, I mean, Polk, the more we talk about it, it becomes more interesting to me. That frame – the catch radius, and then that kind of sneaky athleticism to where he can you can give him a jet sweep. He might be able to get a, a bubble screen and make some plays there. So I think Fowler will will have more of that um, ability on the front end, but as you develop it with Polk and some of these other guys, it could become a pretty versatile group in and of itself to where you don't pigeonhole these receivers as, hey, this guy's one thing, this guy's another thing. They can all start to blend together, and that's when you start to – get a, you know, a little creative offensively. So yeah, I think any one of these guys can get that first snap. I think Seymour is the safest bet, uh, but I wouldn't bet against Fowler or Polk in particular. And John, great stuff as always. Let them know where they can find your stuff, follow you, read your stuff, all of that great stuff. 
yeah, all, all the uh, content is up for free right now, si.com slash college. And we're talking about it all day long. John Garcia underscore JR on Twitter if you want to catch me there. Folks, make sure to subscribe to the Locked On Pit podcast as always. And as we end it here, as always, hail to Pit.